When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Hi, Becca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good morning. It's good nice morning. Yeah, we're recording early this time, and I like it actually. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert: It's six a.m. So, <laughs> but yeah. So, what's new with you? There, you have some exciting things happening. Yes. Um. So, welcome to episode ten, everybody. Which is kind yeah. of a month. Stone, right? Yeah, double digits. Double digits. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah, I started a new job this week at a local bookstore. I wasn't even looking for a job, so it was really great. I just was talking to one of the leading ladies, and I go in there a lot because it's a, a trade store, and it's kind of like little shop around the corner from Meg Ryan's movie. You've got mail, so it's really sweet and charming, and. I just got to talking to someone and they needed, they needed someone who specializes in children's young adult. And that is my specialty. So I'm very excited days now. And it's been a lot of fun, a lot of work because I've been an unemployed student for two years, but it's been a lot of fun. So two years, holy cow, it's been that long. Almost. It'll be two years in December. Oh my gosh. And my last job was sitting at a desk all day. So. I mean, I guess that makes sense because last while I was on maternity leave and my kids are almost two, so that makes sense. Yeah. But wow, okay. If anybody lives in the Biloxi de Iberville area, it's called the Southern Bound Bookshop and it's very cute and it's in downtown Biloxi and you can follow them on Instagram. Yeah, I shared it to our Instagram page too. They're a really cute little store. It's adorable. Do you get to be the storybook lady like Meg Ryan did? Like sometimes. Right now they have a group of high school theater kids that do it. Oh, that's adorable. Come, yeah, they come in like Saturday morning, so they'll be here today at ten AM and they they're theater kids. They go all out, they put on costumes, they do like puppet shows, they do a craft afterwards, they have a lot of fun with it. Oh my goodness. Okay, my kids need to go to that. That's you need to be well, you need to be closer to where my job is because my job is here. <laughs> When you come visit me on vacation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or when we, when we finally get our stuff together to go on the road. That'll be, yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. We have a roofer coming out today to take a look at that and figure all that out. And then we'll know more. How's your week been? Uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Max is having some trouble getting over this norovirus business. So he's been kind of in and out all week. Poor thing. And yeah, Ben's recording with us today, right? Ben is. Ben is recording with us today. Yes. Max is still in bed. But yeah, so, so yeah, Ben's feeling much better. He's yeah. doing great. We went to the splash park the other day. He went crazy for it. But, but yeah, Max is having a little trouble getting, getting rid of the last of the norovirus. He's not really eating. Or anything, but he graduated his swimming lessons. That's awesome. So. He was the one that had the mess too, right? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, he had the, he had a bit of an issue on the slide. My dog is crying, so I'm going to let him out of the bedroom real quick so he doesn't wake up my husband. Okay. Anyway, so, hey, what chapter are we? We're on chapter 12. We are on chapter 12. I do have some really quick feedback, and then we're just going to roll right into the chapter because there's it's a big chapter. So a big thank you to Carswell underscore Captain underscore Thorne on Instagram. We made a mistake last week. There are examples of nuclear families, but they come in later books that I haven't, we haven't got to on the podcast yet. Our fan art Friday was posted last week. And it was gorgeous. It's so good. That artwork is by at Shan Lightyear on Instagram. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, it's on our Instagram. It's from the very first scene of the book where Cinder is at the market working on her ankle. So, and it's, it's really quite beautiful. And Channery's Little Devil, awesome, awesome listener, sent us an email. And, and so here it is. She says, so I'm listening to the podcast and you're talking about Cinder having the same leg in hand for five to six years, how one leg would be longer than the other. And she thinks that maybe Cinder did something to make it not so disproportionate. So Cinder has these mechanic skills, and I don't know why I didn't think of this. Yeah, but she absolutely could have. It would probably still be uncomfortable because the foot itself would be shorter. Which she mentioned that the foot was uncomfortable because of how small it was and how great it was to transition to the bigger foot. So I get that. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure she, I mean, I'm sure she did, right? I do think it would be easier to make an adjustment to a calf than a foot. Because I feel like with the calf, maybe she could insert an extra plating or something to lengthen it out. Right. And we know she doesn't have skin grafting, so she doesn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a very good point, Channery's Little Devil. So thank you for pointing that out. And you can follow her on Instagram. And then are we ready to get into this chapter? Because we've got so much going on. Yeah, I think we better, I think we better just jump into it. We left off chapter 11. Cinder was this miracle who is immune to the plague, to letamosis. And she's going to save the world. She's going to be compensated. It's going into her own account, not Audrey's. He and he can get the antidote right after the emperor. Which is big, I think. That is pretty big. Yeah. I think that the emperor probably isn't the only world leader or, you know, important world diplomat that, or maybe even celebrity that has the disease. So it's really... I think it's really significant that the doctor is willing to let Peony be the second one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's such a good point because he presumably would have caught it from somebody. So who's around him? Important people. So there are other important people. Yeah, absolutely. And the disease is spread all over the world. So So we come into this chapter and we have a new perspective. I love Marissa Meyer. She's so great. I just really love this writing technique that Marissa Meyer uses of going back and forth between different perspectives. And this week, we get a new perspective in Chapter 12. We get Prince Kai. Yeah. And right off, I noticed Dr. Erland apparently has once told Kai that there's an old suspicion that bad things come in threes. Do you know the origin of that? I have heard that. Of course, but I don't know the origin. I'm going to Google it real quick. 
Yeah, I was just—I just realized I should have. I feel Googled. like it's Greek for some reason, but I don't know why I think that. I don't know, but yeah, but it's just so crazy for me to think that like hundreds and hundreds of years from now, things like weird superstitions like that that we have would still be a thing, you know? Because so many things are different, but it's just so similar. Oh, cool! I was right. Okay, so it is oh. Greek. <laughs> And it's because Greek tragedies often do a first, second, and third act. And the third act is usually more severe than the second. And the second act is usually more severe than the first. There you go. And that's according to Wikipedia. So I'm sure there's other resources out there that contradict that. But that's what I found. No, surely. Well, no, what does Michael Scott say about Wikipedia? Like, anybody can add anything to it so you know you're getting the best information. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird to me that in this society, it's an old superstition that most people haven't heard of. Yeah. Because here, I feel like it's really common. Maybe that's just in the United States. So I would love to hear some feedback from our overseas listeners. But in the United States, bad things come in threes is pretty common. So yeah, like celebrity deaths are always in threes. Mm-hmm. This guy was killed and then Mother Teresa died shortly after. Who was the third? I'd have to Google it. But I know there was one. I'm trying to think if there are any examples in my life of bad things coming in three. I have, during my teen years, we lost a lot of family members, and that's when my parents got divorced, and that's when we found out about my seizures, but that's more like 10 things over a six-year period. I can't think of a three that's happened in my life. I mean, I'm only 29. I've got plenty of time, but... <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have plenty of time left for tragedy, so no rush. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So yeah, I just, I love that that is still a thing. So Kai's, Kai's thinking about his three things. His android, which, how do you pronounce her name? It's pronounced in the audiobooks as Nancy. Nancy. Okay, so she broke before she could communicate her findings? We get an illusion later in the chapter that she's researching for him. But remember when he was talking to Cinder and he freaked out and he's like, she feels classified information. And the orange light. Yeah. Yeah. The orange light flickered. So she knew he was lying. She really does have classified information. And then his dad, of course, is ill. And so what would happen next? What could be worse than this? So he seems to think of this the Greek way of like first, second, third act, third act is worse. Yes. Which I I never realized that third act was worse. I know we study that in AP English. We talk a lot about Greek. The third act is usually the last act. So that theoretically, that should be the climactic moment in the story. So that makes sense to me that that would be more severe than one and two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's interesting to me is that he thinks the third act will be Lunar's declaring war, and then he is immediately like, oh, <laughs> shit. <Yeah. have> <laughs> like he thinks he jinxed himself even just thinking it. I've done that before, where I'm like pressed about something, and then I think about worst case scenario, and then I'm like, man, why'd I have to go there? Right? Yes. <laughs> His nuclear is going to war, but. Right. Oh my gosh. So then we meet Con Torrin. He is one yeah. of my favorite characters. Oh, okay. See, I don't like him yet. <laughs> no, I love him. You, He's like Professor McGonagall. He's like the constant rock in this series. Okay. Maybe in the future. He's pretty strict. 
And he's yeah. very straightforward, but I really like and him as a character. Does he ever offer Kaya biscuit? No, but that would have been cute, right? Yeah, I don't like him yet because Kai has this whole, like, you know, he's known him since childhood, so he, like, is awkward around him, and I just, I feel that, you know? I've totally been there where someone, when you were, you met them when you were younger, and now you're, you're older, and you're the person who's in a position of power and authority, and yeah, you're supposed to be in charge of this person, but instead, it's like, I still feel like a child around you. Right, yeah, and I don't, you know, in my experience, like, it doesn't even matter if, like, they're treating you as a child. I still feel like one a lot of the time. We meet Torin. I'm not set on him yet, but you like him, so I'll keep an open. I think you're really going to grow to like him. So this is kind of sweet and kind of problematic. The Emperor is made as comfortable as possible. Well, of course he is, but it's just another example of all the inequalities in this class society because we find out later in the chapter that no one else gets to see their family at all after they go into quarantine yeah like at all at all as soon as they go to quarantine you're basically saying goodbye forever and peony didn't even get that with her family because she was taken from the junkyard like they're just gone and i don't know on the one hand long goodbyes and seeing your family sick is awful like it's torture but also people just disappearing and being gone forever i don't know that's not great i mean it's just a bad situation i guess but and then (laughs) this is so crazy to me that kai is like i'm gonna get my dad a sex spot (laughs) okay Okay, uh, yeah escort 5.3 i definitely would not joke with my hands about such things kai's mother where you died from letimosis but do we know when? I don't think we do, but I do remember him. I do remember the mention that it took one of his parents and threatens to take the other. But I don't think it said when. Yeah, because I just, this caught me off guard, the escort, escort droid thing. Because I kind of had in my head that she had probably passed away pretty recently. Since if she had letimosis, he probably got it, you know, from the same type of thing but I guess maybe it's been a while and now he's comfortable joking about his dad moving on to an escort droid I don't know I mean if if we assume that perhaps she died when he was much younger maybe a child even he wouldn't have a lot of memories of her I guess but I you know this plague has only been going on for what like five years or so is that right yeah it doesn't really say a lot but Unenthusiastic applause shifted through the crowd. Research on the plague had been underway since the first outbreak had occurred in a small town in the African Union over a dozen years ago. So, like 15 years, I'm guessing, since they said over a dozen years ago, but they didn't say, you know, two decades or something. So I'm guessing it's like around 15, 16 years. But originally it was pretty much confined to Africa, and then it spread. So let's say maybe she died 10, 12 years ago. He would have been, what, seven? Yeah. And I guess, yeah, he's 19 now. I guess so, yeah, presumably he might have basically been raised during a lot of pretty formative years by a single dad who I guess may have dated. I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. It's interesting, too, because 
We don't know the relationship that he has with his father, but perhaps this is something that they joke about that would cheer him up. And Asian cultures, and correct me if I'm wrong, but historically speaking in the studies that I've done, they're known to have companions. So it's possible that his mother was the wife and not the only source of comfort his father ever had. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Because our research team is determined to find a vaccine for this disease that has now taken one of my parents and threatens to take the other, as well as tens of thousands of our citizens. So it doesn't say when his mother died. Remember, they say later on in the series, so we'll have to keep an eye out for it. And then if we're wrong, someone send me a message and correct me and let me know where in the book it already said it, if we've already come across it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just cannot imagine <laughs> joking with either of my parents about... He seems to be trying really hard to make light of the situation, and I don't blame him. This yeah. disease works crazy fast. He started yeah. showing signs four days ago, and now he only has a few days left. So you die within less than a fortnight of the spot showing up. That is crazy. That is super crazy. Are we um, trying to make that word happen in America, fortnight? I think oh, we should. I just use it a lot. I think that we all should use Okay, listeners, if, if anyone's still listening. <laughs> listeners, we need to make fortnight happen. It means two weeks. I guess I didn't think to mention like what it is or what it means. It means two weeks, and I just find it easier than saying two weeks sometimes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that we need to use it. Everyone needs to be educated that it means two weeks because I did not know that for a very long time. And it, let's let's make this happen. <laughs> it's way better than fetch. Okay. Yeah. This disease. So quick. I just... I mean, and with as much as he's probably suffering, he just seems miserable. I suppose that's the blessing. And it still says that he is miserable. It talks about he can't, he can barely move his hand to wave. His eyes are completely swollen, almost swollen, shut. His complexion was yellow and pallid, and black and red splotches stippled his neck. It sounds horrible. Yeah. definitely at least a little bit traumatized by the whole situation because he says he can't even connect to the man in the bed anymore. Yeah, so terrible. Torin says that Kai should be grateful for the time he gets with his loved ones. And this is where we learn that anyone else who gets this disease goes straight to the quarantine and never sees their family again. So again, we have this example of inequality. Like, of course, he's the emperor, so he has special circumstances and special treatment. But Kai is only separated from his family by glass, and Peony will never see her mother or sisters again. It's, yeah, it's just sad. <laughs> and I don't even know what to say. It's just sad. So then we start talking about Emperor Kai. Is not ready to be Emperor Kai. Well, no. Yeah, he's quite young, and this is quite sudden. He grew up the crowned prince, so I have to assume he spent his whole life learning diplomacy, the laws of his country, and the history of his country, the history of the world, war strategies. It's a lot, especially when you're young, but he has been training for this his whole life. I can't imagine why he wouldn't have been studying all of that. Yeah. And, um, oh, hold on one second. Thank you, baby. Is it Crane? It's Crane. Oh, I miss them. I love Crane. It's a Crane special with almond milk. I love Crane coffee. I miss them so much. Yes, thank you, Jerry. I love you. Okay. <laughs> Not that he's listening because he hasn't listened since episode one. 
Anyway. I am about to be emperor, but he just is not ready for it. Yeah, and Torn's all like, oh, we've already put it off long enough. And it's like, the emperor's only been sick for five days. What do you mean put it off long enough? Well, think about it, though. This is, diplomatically speaking, this is how it has to work for the country to stay together. Lyndon B. Johnson was sworn into office on a plane near, like, literally within an hour of President Kennedy being confirmed dead. Within an hour. And within two hours of him even being shot and in life-threatening condition, he was on a plane on his way to the president. So, and that was in, you know, the 60s and 70s. And I'm sorry for the quick history lesson. But this is how it has to work. Diplomatically speaking, somebody has to be in charge and somebody has to lead. And obviously at the moment, the emperor is not fit to lead. He's just not capable of it. And he's not going to get any better. So I think Torin is right. At least as interim emperor or something, Kai should have already been working on this. True. Because what can the emperor do from his bed? He can't even reach out for a glass of water or wave to his son. So he's not running the country. I just, I don't know. I mean, he's like in the process of losing his dad. Basically, it would suck to be royal. It really would. Because some royal families are more just like a head figure. Oh, sure. I'd be fine to be a Windsor. Yeah, some families are more like a figurehead. But in this society, their emperor is in charge. He works very hard. He's very involved in all legal and diplomatic uh, decisions and involvements. And it's not just a figurehead or a title. It's his job. It's what he's been preparing for his whole life. So I, it sucks and it's hard and it's heart-wrenching. But I agree with Torin. It sucks, but you have to be an adult right now. Oh, he's just so young. Well, I know Torn's right. I mean, oh my gosh. I just hate it. I hate it. Oh, it's just sad to me. It's so sad. So I'm really excited to announce that we have another egg hatching. Yay! So in Chapter 4, Cinder's inner monologue is telling us all about Queen Lavana. And she mentions that there is an advisor staying at the palace. And now we are introduced to that advisor. Her name is Sybil Mira. And she's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's that out, but yeah, she's not the best person in the world. You're going to bleep that with your little bleepy noise. I like my bleeping noise. I think it's fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we meet Sybil. She was always nearby these days when she was the last person on Earth that Kai wanted to see. She's the head thaumaturge. I first read this book. I had never heard that word before. Nor had I. And I just assumed that it was some sort of title that the Lunars used for, like, their advisors or some sort of, you know, honorarium, like... Like their word for liaison. And it turns out, we did a little quick Google. Yes. It's from Greek. Thama is miracle and Turge is worker. Yes. Miracle. Interesting that that's the name because she doesn't seem like a miracle worker at all. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's some sort of magic though. Some of the, some of the synonyms. Yeah. Some of the synonyms are sorcerer and magician. So, and I have read interviews where Marissa Meyer has talked about wanting to use this word because she wanted something that was different because this is a society 
where she thinks that, you know, the word sorcerer doesn't really fit. Mm-hmm. And the word magician doesn't really fit. And she said she spends a lot of time. And I've seen her post on Instagram. Every time she sees the word thaumaturge, she'll like, take a screenshot and post it on her Instagram. I'm not the only one that uses it. See? So <laughs> I'm really glad she chose this word. It's new and exciting for me. It is. And that is adorable that she does that. But also head thaumaturge. To be the head, yeah, there's like a hierarchy of miracle workers. They call her the advisor to the queen. So it's interesting. That's part of why I thought maybe Thaumaturge was just a title because it just seems like a title, but it sounds like it's a profession. And sorry, my dog is growling at absolutely nothing. All right. I'll just, everybody, if you can hear my dog growling, I'm really sorry. Mm. <laughs> oh, I just heard it. Yeah. Oh, that's- He's being loud. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's adorable. That's okay. They um, heard my kids for like the whole first half. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, he, uh, it's interesting to me that she used this word and I really appreciate it because I like when I get to learn new words. Yeah. And it yeah. is a really interesting word and I, I do think it fits this society to have a word that's not commonly used. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> So we get to meet her, and I want to describe her outfit because I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. But it's definitely an interesting outfit. To pay. It seems very regal for someone who's supposed to just be a magician. Thaumaturs to the lunar crown, exceptionally beautiful, with waist-length black hair and warm honeyed skin. She wore the uniform befitting her rank and title, a long white coat with a high collar and bell-shaped sleeves embroidered along the hems with runes and hieroglyphs that meant nothing to Kai. Yeah, that's a fancy uniform. It's very interesting to me because I picture a medieval cloak Mm -hmm. type robe. And I really like the inclusion of bell-shaped sleeves because I always thought that was a cool look. But it, it seems very ancient in style to be used now in our society, let alone hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I wonder what's up with these hieroglyphs in the room. It could just be, I can't remember if it's expressed later. It could just be a stylistic fashion choice. Mm-hmm. It could be a superstition. You know, I have a triquatra tattooed on my foot that's supposed to protect me. I have a couple old gypsy charm tokens that are supposed to protect me that probably don't work super well, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. She's not delightful to be around. And Kai has this weird interaction where he hears voices and whispering. Yeah. So she fixed her eyes on the prince and her image seemed to shudder before him like a mirage. Whispers filled his head. Respect and admiration, compassion and concern. We found out several chapters back when Cinder was describing the Lunars that they have these powers where they can make you think and feel and see. So yeah. do we think this is her using her manipulation, trying to get him to like her? I do. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's staring at him and then like her image shudders, like. So improves. Uh, I'm picturing it like blurring out a little bit. Okay. Like, interference of some sort. But Kai has to look away and silence the voices. It took a minute for his pulse to steady. So 
it it would appear to me, I guess, that eye contact increases her powers. It's also interesting how subtle this is. I mean, we barely get a mention of it at all. It's, what, 15 words? If you're reading too fast, you wouldn't even notice this. Yeah. But I do think that that's what this is hinting at. Absolutely. And she's, Kai has earned all the sass that he is giving this woman. Yeah, of course, it's inconvenient. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry. It's inconvenient when anyone dies, you hag. It's like Kai said, oh, I'm sorry, would next week have been better for you? It's bad timing for everyone when the emperor is ill and dying in a bed. But have some class and some tact. You're supposed to be an advisor, a liaison. So, Sybil, I assume you've had training. One would think. Not how we communicate. But also, can we back up for half a second? Sure. So, Kai asks her what she wants. And she says, a word with the man who will soon be emperor, dot, dot, dot. Should the fates deem it so. Does anybody else get Harry Potter centaur vibes from that? (laughs) No, but now that you say it, I totally do. (laughs) Mars is right tonight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Okay, thank you. And her name is Sybil, like Sybil Trelawney. I know! Oh my goodness, yeah. So I got a little bit of, like, Harry Potter divination teacher, kind of. Anyway, yes, Kyan his sass. He absolutely, yeah, this is super cold. Her. Tragic time for his, I mean, she's so insensitive. She is. His whole thing, like, oh, would next month have been better? I love that. I love sassy Kai. And what's interesting to me about this is, this is what it says. Kai glanced at Torin, but the face that met him was unsympathetic. Tact, diplomacy, always, especially when it came to the curse of Lunars. Sybil's not showing any tact and diplomacy. She's trying to by using words like soon to be emperor and... Mm -hmm. Being polite, I guess, but she's still talking about the inconvenience of the Emperor falling ill when they're trying to get an alliance with Lunars, and I'm sorry, they're trying to get an alliance with the Lunars? Right? Yeah, and apparently Sybil claims that the Lunar Queen has sensible demands, and yeah, no, apparently. I mean, I don't know what they are, but apparently they're not sensible. Yeah, Kai doesn't think so. No. And I don't know how she calls her, she calls the queen her mistress. And I've always, I like Marissa Meyer's writing. This isn't her writing that I don't like. I don't like the lunar word. Of, I don't like how they use the word mistress because it feels, it feels like they're calling her their master instead of your highness or my queen or something like that. And she says, my mistress. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that she is her head advisor, like she works for her. So she gets to give her a different title? Yeah, and that Joe Schmo Lunar on the Moon would just be, would be like a Your Highness person, but that she has this different relationship. I think that's a good thing to point out. Yeah, that actually makes total sense because she would have a deeper connection and relationship with her. And it's not just her queen, it's her boss. And technically, yes, the queen is everybody's boss. But in this situation, it's literally a day-to-day boss where she is asked of and executes her orders on a daily basis. Yeah, she directly serves the queen. 
And she's so patronizing to Kai here. Like, oh, you're so young. But he does a good job of sticking up for himself. I mean, he does it as an errant teenager, but he does. Yeah. Yeah, my father is a wise man. At this time, I have no intention of altering any of his previous decisions. I do hope we will be able to come to an agreement, but I'm afraid your mistress will need to lower her very sensible demeanor. <laughs> yeah, very sensible, which I mean, clearly means ridiculous, right? Yes. <laughs> but then a few moments later, we talk about him marrying her. So Peony was right. There is talk of a marriage alliance between Kai and Lavana. Sender couldn't believe it, but it seems like it's totally in the works. Yeah, Jerry's only 13 years older than me. Okay. Um, but also, like, <clears throat> I didn't marry him for political reasons. <laughs> Presumably, Kai has never expected to marry for love. He's always expected it would have to be some sort of political alliance, right? Connecting two countries, connecting two unions. Because I mean, yeah, diplomatically speaking, especially in other countries, it, we're pulling away from that more. But the concept of meeting someone falling in love and getting married because you're in love with them is very new like within the last hundred years or so you get little moments you know like with pride and prejudice and mr darcy in, in literature but people married because they needed to get married there were dower there are still dowries being practiced in india but that's a separate story there were dowries and so presumably speaking kai probably should have expected to have some sort of arranged marriage his whole life that just makes me so sad <laughs> it's sad but i do think it's realistic yeah oh no yeah i mean it, it was always financial even you know among most all populations it was a financial thing my grandparents had an arranged marriage really my grandparents on my biological father's side, so I don't know them very well, but they had an arranged marriage so that they could come to the United States together because they're from Romania. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Huh. It's not super uncommon nowadays. It's more common in European countries and and Arabic nations in the Middle East, but sure. it's not practiced in the, in the United States very much. Not openly, at least. Right. I wonder how much it is, though, though. I'm going to do a poll on Instagram, but let us know if you know anyone that has ever been in in arranged marriage or if in the country culture that you live in, if it's still a common practice. Because I'm really curious how much it's still being used across the world. Well, yeah, because it's only been, what, like just over 100 years that we've even had the concept of love. You know, yeah. Victoria and Albert were like, what, like the first? And you get a lot of situations, too, where it's, they fall in love, but they just can't get married because that person's a commoner and it doesn't work that way. Even just Kate Middleton, who is the Duchess now, because she married yeah. Prince William, that yeah. was a big deal. That was that was only a few years ago, and that was a big deal that she's just a commoner and he wanted to marry her. But like, and her family is like super stinking wealthy, and they went to the same university. She's totally in that social circle. Yeah. But it's just wild. Yeah, so Kai doesn't want to marry Lavana, and I don't blame him. No, I don't blame him at all. So he takes Torin, and they're going to see Dr. Erland. Kai is very, he is very severe on not wanting to marry her. This is what he says. I have a plan. My plan is to not marry her. Diplomacy be damned. There. End of discussion. 
don't look at me like that. She would destroy us. She would turn us into slaves. He does not want to marry her, and I don't blame him. But turn them into slaves? Seeking her gift to turn them into slaves? Yeah, are they using their Jedi tricks to... Or is it... Would it just... Would it be more of like the Commonwealth would become a colony of Luna, and they would just treat them bad, you know, in the way that, like, countries here used to treat their colonies. What an unusual concept that the Lunar Chronicle, like, that the Lunar Kingdom started out as a colony, and now they might colonize one of the countries that made them a colony to begin with, and presumably had to help grant them their independence. Yeah. That's crazy. That is... It kind of is. Yeah. And as slaves, what would they be doing? Right. Yeah. What does Luna want from them? Presumably Luna, I think we talked before about how Luna would have to have artificial everything in order to survive. So presumably maybe they just want more access to certain foods, to certain goods. Otherwise, I don't know. Other than, like, importing humans to Luna, those slaves are only going to be able to help them, I guess, in terms of labor on Earth. Right. Unless we think that the queen is going to leave the moon and come live on Earth, which doesn't sound like it likely either. And the emperor wouldn't. This, If they were married, they would never be around each other. Levana's not going to leave her, leave her kingdom, and Kaya's not going to leave his. It would literally be an arranged marriage for for just political purposes and perhaps to produce an heir. Yeah, which is just so yucky. It does. Um, it's really sad. Yeah, I don't. Ugh. That's. And I think that's part out. of like why is like no. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I want to know what they want from them, but and then we have Kai thinking. But if he had just already gotten married, then this wouldn't be an issue because it wouldn't be a question of, is he going to marry the queen? And before that, well, before that, so it also says Torn wouldn't allow his his father either. So Levana originally wanted to marry Kai's father first, which is super yucky. Yeah. And. And here we get a here we get a little moment from Kai as well. Sybil calls him young, but he mm-hmm. seems like a really good measure on what's going on in his country and the predicament that Lavana is putting him in. Yeah, because it says they're talking about what they're going to do if if they don't want to get married. And Torin is saying we need to rewrite our we shouldn't be rewriting our policies, but you need to think of a peace agreement, a treaty. And Kai is very severe on, you know, our economy. And with our economy in this place, we can't handle a war right now. She would absolutely destroy us. And she knows that. She's leveraging that against me to make me marry her. But marrying mm-hmm. her is bad for his kingdoms. It's bad for his subjects. So mm-hmm. despite the fact that Sybil is saying he's too young, Kai is very aware. He's not ignorant by any means. He's very aware of everything that's going on in his country and in these negotiations with with. Luna. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's good. Like he's good at what is going to be his job. Yeah. Um, yeah. He seems very qualified. Then this is where it says that he should have already married. 
Yeah, I should have married. If I'd already married, Queen Milana wouldn't even be an issue. She'd have to sign a peace treaty if she wanted peace. Yeah. He's only 18. <laughs> like, I think he's I 18 and a half. It's just like, I just hate the thought of people being in these positions at such young ages. It just makes me sad. Well, for example, I got married when I, we were, I was 22 when we got engaged and 23 when we got married. And I thought I was too young. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we had been <laughs> together three years sure. and we met, we had known each other for like six years. So it's not like we didn't know each other very well. We met when I was like 17. Right. And we've been dating for like three years when we got engaged, like, and it still felt kind of fast and kind of young. And so to do all of this at 19 to someone you hate, mm-hmm. like signing a death warrant, you're literally yeah. signing away the happiness that you might ever have for the rest of your life. And Tori makes a cute little joke. I want to read the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps you'll meet a girl at the festival, have a whirlwind romance, a happily ever after, and have no more worries for the rest of your days. I love his little Lion King reference. He's adorable. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's actually a Lion King reference, but it does make me happy. That makes me think of Lion King. Oh, no, for sure. I definitely was like, yeah, Hakuta Matata. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And happily ever after. And yes, yeah. Lion is a very diplomatic man. He's very stern. He's very serious. He is always an adult. Um, but he does have a softer side, and it's nice when he shows it, especially right now. It feels like Kai kind of needs it. Yeah. And actually, yeah, the first the first couple of times that I read that passage, I thought that he was being sarcastic. But no, he's, he's actually not, because at the bottom of page 112, Kai looks back at Torin and is surprised to find a rare warmth in his face. Snarky, sarcastic. I just missed that sentence. Well, it even says afterwards, Kai tried to glare at him but couldn't maintain it. Torin so rarely joked. Yeah. So this is, this is warm-hearted. So maybe he's alright. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So that's good. I I want to like everyone. (laughs) So here's where we make a dramatic shift in the chapter. Oh, yeah. Another moment where we talked before about Celine, the lunar heir. So here we have another connection to Anastasia as well, conspiracy theories, sightings, rumors of her still being alive. And that all the way up until she couldn't possibly be alive anymore because she'd be like 120 years old. We had people claiming to be Anastasia. We had people saying they saw her, people saying they helped her escape. They knew where she'd been hiding. I mean, this is a huge connection to Anastasia. Absolutely. I love this. I love Anastasia. Um, Amazing. This is a very Meg Ryan heavy episode. Um, I love Anastasia. I love you now. (laughs) Um, I I really want to go watch it now. Oh, my goodness. Tom Hanks. I love, I want to watch both of those movies right now. Not right now, because we're doing this. <laughs> I also love doing this. Yeah, the the rumor in St. New Beijingburg um, is that <laughs> is that the princess is a rumor in St. New Beijing. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> um, so, okay, so apparently Princess Celine 
is said to have died in a fire 13 years ago. So timeline. Three when she died, so still alive. She'd be 16, which is pretty close to Kai's age. It is. Yeah. Uh, 16. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it at that, 16. You haven't read these books. If you want to make guesses, this is the time to do it. I The thing is that I've read Cinder, and things are coming back to me. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep it spoiler free because I'm the one who's not supposed to be spoiled. But who else do you know who's seen? Yeah. Um, so sounds really desperate. Do you want to read the part where he's trying to get Torin to listen to him? Just hear me out, Kai said, raising his hands to silence Torin before he could be chastised. He already knew what Torin would say. Princess Celine, Queen Lavana's niece, was dead. She had died in a fire 13 years ago. There was no rumor. There are rumors every day, sightings, people claiming they helped her, theories, Anastasia, hello. And Torin's like, yeah, yes, we've heard the theories. You know as well as I do, there's no substance to them. And um, again, we get this moment where Torin is trying to be, he's strict, he's diplomatic, he's the voice of reason because somebody in this situation has to be, and it sucks. And I kind of agree with Torin. It does sound like Kai is grasping at straws, like just trying to find any reason why he doesn't have to marry Luana. Yeah, and it really does. Because these lunars are up. <laughs> <laughs> They're bad. Um, well, yeah, and but Kai, he's being a little like petulant child, which is interesting because he's so mature and such a good, you know, almost leader. And we saw that like two paragraphs ago. Right. And now he's petulant child. He's like, but what if they're true? Kai crossed his arm and ducked his head towards Torin, voice trailing to a whisper. What if there's a girl out there who could usurp Lavana? Someone even stronger. And then Torin's like, seriously stronger than Lavana. <laughs> you know, are, are you well, listening? It sounds like he's saying if she's stronger than Lavana, then that means she's more terrifying. Cause listen, right. it's so it says someone stronger than Lavana. You mean someone like her sister who had her favorite seamstress's feet chopped off so she would have nothing better to do than sit and make her fine dresses? Okay. Ew. Yeah. Terrible. Ridiculous. Who? What? And also um, ties back to the Cinderella story with the stepsisters cutting their feet to fit in. Yeah, the they cut their, one of them cut their, was it their toe or their heel to one of the two to make it fit in the shoe? Did one cut a toe and the other cut a heel? I think so, but they did it so that they could fit their foot in the the slipper and pretend to be Cinderella. So yeah, that's I think that there's a connection here to that. Absolutely. And into the woods it's both stepsisters that cut their toes off. Is but it? into the woods is of course not the original Grim Fairy Tale. <laughs> but here we find out, um and I can't remember if we heard this name before or not, but Queen Shannery which is the namesake for our number one correspondent, Channery's Little Devil. Um, she's Celine's mother. Uh-huh. That's who they're talking about. Is Lavana's sister, Queen Channery, was so evil she had her seamstress cut off her own feet so she could do nothing but sew dresses. So presumably Kai is grasping at straws, but Torin is right. If she's anything like her mother, you don't want to marry her either. Yeah. 
Believe me when I say that Princess Selene, even if she were alive, would be no better. Every last one of them has been greedy, violent, corrupted by their own power. And it's in their blood. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. It's so, this is just all, this whole book is just longer. And I think this is where Kai was talking about Nancy's findings, because it sounds like he's already started the research. Yeah, so that must be what she's looking into, right? Is the lunar air. And she presumably came back with some findings right before she broke. So, uh, hey, Cinder, get her fixed. I want to know what's on there. I do, too, because it says his heart had been set on the idea for so long. His research harbored so close to her, to his heart. He couldn't bear to think it had all been just wishful thinking, although the possibility had always lingered in the back of his mind. So he knows that he's grasping at straws, but he's just so desperate that he wants to grasp anyways. Yeah. And also I'm picturing Nancy coming back um, like R2-D2 with the little holographic Princess Leia coming out. I haven't seen Star Wars. Oh, really? I tried. It's really flashy. <laughs> oh, right, right. There are lightning sabers making strobe lights everywhere, so I haven't actually seen Star Wars. Gotcha. Um, I'm not a fan of Star Wars, um, but when they, right before Phantom Menace came out, they re-released the original three in theaters, and I went with my dad. Oh, fun. Yeah, we went to all three of them over a course of, like, a couple, few weeks or whatever when they came out. Well, I think you had I think you mentioned when we first started talking about Nancy that she might look like C-3PO? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was yeah. like the proper one. Although, you know, actually, though, the, the more that we've found out about these androids and Ico and with the treads on yeah. their feet, I do now picture them a little more like, like R2 than I do C-3PO. Escort droids, though, I would think would be more like C-3PO. Either way, I do think that that's the findings that Nancy, that Kai was hoping to find from Nancy, because it said that in the very first paragraph of this chapter that he wanted, he was desperate to get her back to find out what the findings she had were. But Corin is not having it. No, he's not. And yeah, Kai's like, she can't have been worse. Who knows? She may have been on Earth, and maybe she would be different. Maybe she'd be sympathetic. And Torrance just like, no, you're basing this wishful thinking on rumors. And this is very dun 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 because Kai says they never found a body. Torrin pursed his lips in a thin line. They found what was left of one. <sighs> Which Dark. again, Peter Pettigrew, one yeah. finger. But so who knows? Maybe. Who knows? And- we get another moment, if we're going to talk about Harry Potter, we get another moment of the saying her name superstition because Torrin starts whispering and Kaya's like, oh, come on, you now who's listening to rumors? And mm-hmm. for anyone who may have forgotten, back when Cinder's inner monologue when they were in the junkyard was explaining the Lunars and their gift and their powers, she talked about how there was a theory, a rumor that Lavana could hear you talking about her even on Earth, which is why it was kind of jinx to say her name out loud. Yeah. And clearly, Torin, despite the fact that Torin is so incredibly 
mature and diplomatic, he either he takes a lot of stock in those rumors or he's just being cautious. Right. Yeah, he seems to think that it could be possible that she is able to record or listen or something to what they're talking about. Yeah. Which, if she's got this head thaumaturge roaming around, who knows? There could be, like, museums. There could be. Yeah, even if it's not their lunar powers listening in, you know, there could be microphones. It could be bugs. Yeah, Watergate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we could do it in the 60s, I think we could do it now. Especially with robots everywhere. You could just hit the record button on your robot. But here we get another moment where Kai is desperate. He wants... Torrin is shutting it down. Hardcore. He's like, no. I'm not... We're not... This isn't even a possibility. We're not even discussing this. We need to worry about what's realistic and what's in front of us. And Kai is just like... What if I can't prevent the war? Yeah. Um, then the Union will fight. And that's the end of the chapter. And Kai is super comforted by that. <laughs> yeah, really. Right. Excellent plan. I'm so comforted now that we've had this talk. Yeah. What did you think of this week's chapter? Oh, this is big. It is. There was a lot going on in this chapter. There is, yeah. I uh, am. I'm ready for the next chapter. Like, let's just keep going. Um, After because, talking it out, how do you feel about Torin now? Yeah, now I feel better. I think I just I didn't pay enough attention the first like three times that I read this. But you're right. Yeah, yeah he, he's all right. I just I don't know. I think I just kind of um, focused a little too much on that feeling. You know, like Marissa Meyer just has this way of like making you feel all of the things. Yeah. And such an emotional connection to these characters and these plots. Yeah. And I just have so many times where I just feel like such a child still <laughs> at 37, you know, um, especially in certain situations or around certain people. And I think that that ickiness of that feeling, I just focused on so much that throughout the whole rest of the chapter, I wasn't able to, open my mind and be like, oh, okay, Torn's all right, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, but he's all right. So what was your cha- uh, quote for this chapter? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I miss Iko. I, I do like Kai's staff. Um, I like getting to be in Kai's perspective. We're getting a much bigger world view by getting his perspective in this chapter. I think in the way that I like sassy Harry Potter with the, there's no need to call me sir professor. Yes. I think yes. that's probably why I like the sassy Kai. Um, but just his sarcasm here right at the end, the right, excellent plan. I'm so comforted now that we've had this. Yeah. And it's sassy and it's also distraught. And I think that's a very difficult emotion to write. And I think as an author, she's done a really good job of letting us feel like he's sassy and sarcastic, but it's to hide his pain. Exactly. Which, yeah. it, I mean, I guess it probably usually is with most sassy, sarcastic people. Chandler Bings. Chandler Bings. Oh, Chandler. I love Chandler. Yes. His parachute is a knapsack. <laughs> 
my quote. Yes. My quote was, sure, the Earth and Union would fight. But against Luna, they would lose. Yeah. I don't want them to lose. It gives such a sense of impending doom. And this is what I told you about before we started reading these books. It gets to a point where every chapter is a cliffhanger. You don't want to put it down. I I really, I want to just go ahead and keep going right now. Yeah. But I, I can't. I have to take the kids to the kid gym because they're having a um a fundraiser this morning with the pancake man. Awesome. Well, we need yeah. to wrap up anyways. Yeah. Okay. So we have two Easter eggs in this chapter for all of the my lovely egg hunters who are keeping track of those. And next week we will finally get to chapter 13. Yay. Uh, yay. I know I don't want to wait. Um, so don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Sentai Fan Pod. Send us your Fan Art Friday stuff. I'm loving this because I'm not an Instagram person, but Bethany shares them with me and it's amazing. They are so great. I can't wait for to share the next one. We already got a good submission that we're going to use. So. Yes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to show us a little bit of support and help us out, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or um, SoundCloud or CastBox or Spotify or wherever you listen. And leave us a review. We'd be happy to read it on air. I know that most platforms don't have a review, but if you give a comment on SoundCloud or CastBox, I'll read it like a review. Or you can send one directly to us, or you can, I've had a lot of people just post it on Instagram and I'll read those too. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can always email princepiefanpod at gmail.com. Uh, send us all your questions, comments, concerns. We will talk about them on the next episode. Bethany will edit out any spoiler. Yes. <laughs> But I will yeah. I will probably set, if there are spoilers, I think I'm going to create like a folder on my computer and set them aside. And then yeah. when we get to those moments, we can talk about it together. Perfect. I love awesome. this. Okay. So next week, everyone read chapter 13 for episode 11. Woo-hoo! We will see you next week. Next week. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Cinder by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Rebecca Baker. Thank you for listening.